Okay. We're live, Alexander. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm very pleased to be back in London. Uh, a lot still to do to sort out everything but uh, in my house. But um, um, generally, it's you know good to be back in London again. Great. Great. So let's do a live, me and you, for about mm -hmm. one hour. Mm -hmm. Today for Orthodox Christians, it is Good Friday. So for everyone that is celebrating Easter this weekend, we wish you a happy Easter. And let's say hello to everyone that is watching us on Rockfin, on Odyssey, Rumble, Telegram, YouTube, and the Duran.locals.com. How is everyone doing in the locals chat? I hope everyone is well. And hello to our moderators. Zarael is with us. Hello, Zarael. GEC812. Hello, GEC. Hope you are well. And who else is with us? Spartan, Warrior Queen. Good to have you with us. And William Justice. Always good to have you with us, William. And I think that is that is everyone in in the moderation in the YouTube chat. So let's get started, Alexander. We got a lot to talk about, and we are going mm. to take as many questions as we can. Mm. So before I get to a question, Alexander, what is the big news of this week? What do you think was the one big news story of the week? And then I'm going to start throwing questions your way. The, the, the coming together of the BRICS is the big news. And that's something we really need to understand because, of course, it's not been, uh, um, you know, it's not the big story that we see on the headlines that sort of fighting in Ukraine and all that. But Lula has now been to Brazil. Uh, Washington Post has a very China, sulky article. China, China, sorry. Lulu has been to China, that's right, yeah. Uh, very sulky article about it in the Washington Post. He's not doing what we expected him to do. He's talking about, you know, rebuilding economic ties with China. We're going to move out of the dollar, that's what he said. Um, so we get, you know, the B is back in the BRICS, if you like. Um, um, this is something that's coming... Um, yesterday, Glenn Deason and I had a very interesting interview with the former ambassador, Indian ambassador to Moscow. He was ambassador until 2021. I can summarize very briefly what he said. I mean, he's clearly obviously an ambassador, very careful in his language, but it's clear to me that he felt that Western policy was responsible more for the conflict in Ukraine. Well, I don't think we have any reason to question that but i mean he spoke about the way in which the india the BRICS are balancing each other out that you know the role russia is playing the poly, role india and china are playing that india is fully committed to multipolarity that it is not going to be an ally of the united states that the relationship with russia is completely solid and he even flowed well we even talked about the possibility of India playing a diplomatic role in the conflict. But that I'm not going to discuss in this programme because I think we should leave some of <laughs> the things there for people to see when the programme itself appears. So an awful lot going on there. And um, so 
That's the big story. And we see the contrast with all these big moves, you know, Lula in China, Xi Jinping in Moscow, uh, Modi, remember, he's had some very important meetings with some very key officials from Russia recently. He met Nikolai Petrushev in Delhi. He's had a big delegation from uh, uh, Russia energy, uh, discussing energy issues, headed by Igor Sechin, the CEO of Rosneft. There's probably going to be a Putin-Modi summit coming before long. So all of that's going on. And in the meantime, what do we have? We have Baerbock in Beijing. Oh, goodness. <laughs> we had Macron saying all these extraordinary things. We've had uh, uh, Joe Biden in Ireland, where he's managed to upset and offend the British. The British newspapers were talking about, you know, that you know, Biden has insulted our country. He didn't appear to know who Rishi Sunak was. So we have a really extraordinary study in contrasts. And of course, the war is not going well, not going well for the West. Hmm. All right, let's start things off, Alexander, with this question from Elza. How about the leaked documents? Ukraine yeah. lost seven to one Russian soldiers. That's what Tucker said. Ukraine yeah. used exactly the same number for Russia, and that whistleblower should try to go to Russia too late for him to make it to Russia. Too late to make it for Russia. Well, I have to say, if it was, if it was this, this whistleblower... And, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't, by the way, you know, let's wait and see. But if it was him, then I think it's important to say that this was a whistleblower leak. It was not a leak carried out by a faction within the US government, which I thought at one point that it might have been. So I just want to say that. But let's wait. Let's wait and see. Now, it's very, very interesting that one of those original documents, one of the first documents, one of those documents about... Uh, Ukrainian-Russian losses, what it seemed to do, and this is what Tucker is saying, is it, it, it flipped, it gave figures for Russian losses, which are probably close to Ukrainian ones, and it gave a figure for Ukrainian losses of 16,000 killed, which, by coincidence, is almost exactly the same figure that the BBC and uh, Media Zone uh, have been able to confirm about Russian losses. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a very interesting way in which that thing was flipped. And I think, I haven't seen Tucker's point, but I think Tucker's probably getting it about right. I mean, all the information we're seeing, the cemeteries in Ukraine, the reports from the towns and villages across Ukraine, are of people being devastated by enormous losses. And one of these documents spoke about the fact, one of these Pentagon two, Pentagon Papers 2 documents, spoke about the fact that if Ukraine's offensive fails, Ukraine may be forced into total mobilization because its losses are so great that that's the only way it would be able to make up the numbers in its army and that doing that would have political consequences for Zelensky and his government. It might inspire protests. And by the way, and for the record, it would be catastrophic for the economy as well. Mark Hewitt, thanks to Jack Teixeira, we have confirmation that NATO troops are in Ukraine. 
when will the number of deaths of these troops be revealed? Never. <laughs> I can. I, I have to say, I mean, why is anybody surprised about this? I remember right at the outset of the Libyan intervention back in 2011, David Cameron, our then British Prime Minister, standing up in the House of Commons, saying categorically, no boots on the ground. And I think it was two days later, um, a group of SAS men <laughs> were tracked down and rounded up in Libya by a group of villagers. So, you know, Cameron says, no troops on the ground, then we discover that the troops are there on the ground. Of course, there are NATO personnel in Ukraine. It would be, anybody who has had any doubts about that is simply being naive as to when will the losses be admitted. The answer probably is either never or some point in the indeterminate future when the archives are finally opened. Yeah. Alan Shepherd Page says, Jesus Christ was crucified so we might be saved, believe in him and have eternal life. Blessed Good yes. Friday, Duran and family. Thank you. For Thank that. you very Alan. much. Thank you for that. Yeah. Radio Constantinopolis says, is internationalist Mossad trying to throw neo-Eurasianist Netanyahu under the bus? Well, that's what the that's what the Pentagon two papers two documents basically say that Mossad was backing the protests against Netanyahu. I believe that, by the way. I think it's probably true. I think the point about Mossad is it's a highly political intelligence agency, even more so than the highly politicized intelligence agencies we see in the United States. I don't see why people would be surprised about Mossad playing this kind of a role. I think it's almost certainly true. I don't know enough about Israeli foreign pol uh, domestic policies to, you know, to be able to explain the dynamics of this. But from some people's point of view, especially in Washington, Netanyahu has been altogether too friendly with the Russians. So, you know, presumably they've got their friends in Mossad. Why not use them to get some demonstrations going? It seems to me entirely plausible story. Yeah, Dominique says Ursula and Micron visit Tuji asking to interfere a European war they could have prevented. Pathetic. Absolutely. And of course, Baerbock is doing the same and is being incredibly rude in the way she's doing it. She's talking like she always does, striking poses, which will not go down well in Beijing. Yeah. These people are amateurs. Anders, welcome to the Durant community, level 42. Thank you for that super chat. Danielle says, happy Easter to you and your families. What are your thoughts on the leaked documents and the person ID behind the leak? Was he set up? Does not feel right. Yes, I know a lot of people think the latter. And by the way, thank you for your kind words at the beginning and about Easter as well, which is, of course, can I just say in the Orthodox church in the orthodox world it is the most important religious holiday event it's much more important to orthodox people or has been than christmas and um for for reasons i don't think i need to explain anyway um on the leaked documents um i think that they are mainly originals larry johnson thinks the same i know some people think that some of the latest documents Perhaps or not. I see no reason myself why 
one would think that. I think they are original. Whether it is indeed this young man who has leaked them, I don't know. I don't think it's impossible, by the way. Um, if it was him, I think we should not try and speculate on his motives until he's had an opportunity to speak himself. And if he has been set up, and which, again, I'm not saying hasn't, wasn't the case, I presume he will say so, and he will provide us with a defence. I mean, if, he, if, if he's arrested and we don't hear more from him and he disappears into some oubliette somewhere, which I hope doesn't happen, I mean, it'd be appalling if it did. Well, if, if that is the situation, then I'm going to say straight away we should be, that then your concerns will be fully justified. We're not quite there yet. No, the, the documents, I believe, are, are without a doubt real. Real, I think so. I They're think real. So. It doesn't mean the information in the documents is accurate or real. You made, That's the key point. You made, you made that point in that program. We yeah. did, and it repeats once something people need to understand. And I should say, you know, after we made that program, um, a member of the intelligence community, former member of the intelligence community, I'm not going to name him, came and made uh, and confirms that that you know the, the the point that Alex made in that program is absolutely right. Don't assume that because something has been produced by the intelligence agencies and is classified, what it says is correct. The intelligence agencies often get things wrong and they often make things up and they often guess and they often guess wrong. And of course, the information they provide is only ever as good as their sources. And if you want to erudite discussion about this, go to Larry Johnson, Sonar 21. He's handled this kind of information. He explains it all very clearly. Yeah, there's there's also something else that these leaked documents tell us. Mm. These are the documents that many of the leaders in the collective West have been using to craft mm. their narratives and their yes. talking points. Even if the documents provide fake or misleading information, we have leaders in the collective West using these documents in order to create their narratives about the war in Ukraine and to pass off these narratives yeah. to their citizens. We talked about the example of Ben Wallace and 97% yeah. of the Russian military is committed to, uh, to Ukraine. The narrative about China supplying lethal weapons to Russia, that yeah. comes from these leaked documents. That's where this whole narrative about China yes. is going to provide lethal weapons to Russia came from, because one of the documents talks about how U.S. intel managed to intercept a couple of messages, they say, from Russia to China. And the Russians allegedly told the Chinese, hey, can we get weapons? And the Chinese were like, sure. And the Russians said, yeah, but just keep it secret. Keep it on the down low. That's what one of the documents tells us. And that's where Blinken and Sullivan and all these people crafted the, the narrative exactly. and the message about China is going to provide weapons to uh, mm -hmm. Russia. And uh, Alexander, another thing that the documents tell us is that the New York Times and the Washington Post were contracted by the intel agencies of the United States to not only report about the leaked documents, but to hunt down the person that yes. leaked them. Yes. 
This yes, is that, huge. It, this is really it, a yes, big yes, story. And, and, yes. and it drove me, you know, when these documents leaked, Alexander, it drove me a little bit crazy in a way because I was thinking, why is the New York Times, the Washington Post breaking this story? I mean, mm. the New York Times and the WAPO, these are the these are the papers of the deep state of the yes. intel agencies. Why yes. are they why are they yes. ratting them out in a way? Why are they reporting about the leaked documents? And I couldn't quite figure it mm. out, but now we know why. It wasn't about yes. them reporting about the information, the leaked documents. It was more about providing the cover for them to help them on the back end to hunt down the person who allegedly leaked yes. these documents. And that's exactly what they did. Mm. What they did. And Tucker yeah. Carlson Assume. actually mentioned this as well in his open last yes. night. Yes, uh, indeed. And that is absolutely correct. And it's very sinister. It is a very, very sinister fact, indeed that the media, the so-called independent media in the United States has been used in this way and is willingly be, is willing to be used in this way, that they are actually now so much a part of this intelligence world, the deep state, if you like, that they are actually facilitating, they're actually being used to help track down uh, whistleblowers. When the whole function of the media used to be to publish whistleblowers. This is, now this they is help big. track them down. It is, it's yeah. enormous. This is big. Glenn this Greenwald tweeted about this as well. He said the same thing. He said, what we're saying right now, Glenn Greenwald said the same thing. We're, we're yeah. seeing the, the, the media working now, being contracted yes. by, the, by, by the deep state to track down yes. whistleblowers. Yes. It's, it's crazy. It's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. Yeah. Commando Crossfire says, hello from Ethiopia. I have fled the nutty Canada, but unfortunately I'll be back in three months. The war sent foreign investment fleeing as before. Yeah. Yes. Well. Oh, wait, there's another tweet. As before, wait, as before, it was attracted to the, another tweet I said, another message. It was attracted to the stability in Ethiopia. The coup hurt tourism, but lots of construction and you feel China's presence. The future here is uncertain. Interesting. Okay, thanks. Thanks for that, for an update about Ethiopia. And we'd be delighted if you provided us with more information about that um, uh, very important country. Yeah. Lynn Tupas, welcome to Drain Community. Rockabilly, thank you for that. Johan, thank you for that. Michael says, just bought Hudson's book and forgive them their debts looks like Jesus was a socialist looking forward to reading it. Yeah, this is the book about the collapse of antiquity, which I think has just come out recently and I would be very interested to read it. And apparently it's all about the role of debt in bringing down the ancient world. Now there's been a lot about this before, by the way, uh, there was a brilliant book uh, years ago by a man called Jeffrey de Sanquois, who was a academic, a classicist, uh, but he also discussed the way in which, as a result of debt, economic power in the ancient world, the ancient Greek and Roman world, became incredibly concentrated, and that this is one of the major factors in causing the eventual collapse of the political system, because people at the lower end no longer felt they had any stake in it. Yeah. Omni, welcome to the Duran community. Raphael says, Ursula, after what took place in Turkey a few years ago, now after what the Chinese did to her after the speech, you two tell me why she's, why she's powerful. 
<laughs> well, is she in fact powerful? <laughs> I mean, she actually is she actually powerful? I mean, she is in a way. I mean, the the commission does all kinds of things that you know it does, but I would get the sense that it would do the same things if it was somebody else instead of Ursula. I think Ursula is just there um, in order she's the public face of it, if you like. But I don't think she's actually in control of anything in any material sense. But it is nonetheless astonishing that a person who is as incompetent as that and as disrespected as that wields has such an enormous amount of influence or at least such a high profile in Europe. Yeah. Radio Constantinopolis says gold is finally on the rise. Is this the real real deal already? Perhaps. <laughs> But, you know, I'm not an expert on that, so I can't say. Lorraine says, thanks for all you do. Happy Easter. Thank you, Lorraine, for that. Commander Crossfire says, I can say the people here in Ethiopia <clears throat> that I've met so far understand Russia's positive impact on world affairs and Africa in particular. Wow. Thanks for that to Commander Crossfire. Level 42 says, how will Ukraine people react to banning the Orthodox Church while they are Orthodox too? Well, they're already reacting. They're reacting very, very negatively. You saw the protests at the uh, Alavra in Kiev, people coming. And this has been, I think, I think the Ukrainian authorities were taken by surprise by all of that. And I don't think they expected people to come and, um, you know, support the monks in that kind of a way. And I think this is happening all over Ukraine. And we see that the Ukrainian authorities, for their part, their reaction is to intensify um, repressions, to arrest bishops and priests and put, you know, all kinds of things on them. Um, I mean, it's a whole, it's, a, it's, a, it's an appalling thing. And of course, it's going to turn more and more people um, against the government there, though I suspect most of them are pretty alienated already. Yeah. Lada Moreau says, hi, Alex Alexander. Do you think that the USA will indeed go through with its threat of sanctioning EU countries who didn't join their war against Russia? You know, this is crazy. Yes, I think they will. I think they're so drunk on their sanctions that they will do it. I mean, they, I, I, I don't think they I don't think they will stop. I've said this many times. How many times have I said it that these people have no reverse gear? If they encounter resistance, their instinct is to double down, to toughen up. And, you know, I can remember at the time when um, the uh, JCPOA was signed off, um, John Kerry came along and said, you know, we've got to do this because if we don't, we risk a rupture with Europe. Well, sanctioning our own European allies would be crazy. And yet, that's what the US is now doing. John Kerry, just a few years ago, was saying it would be a crazy thing to do, but they're doing it now. And can I just point out also that, you know, even before Nord Stream was blown up, even before uh, the war began, the conflict, the fighting began, the US was already imposing sanctions on Nord Stream. And uh, the Trump administration did then. The Biden administration seemed to be walking them back, except it didn't really. And in fact, you can already see that we're moving in that direction. Nick says, due to leaked documents, Ukraine offensive is postponed. Seems like a managed cause and effect. Happy Easter to all. 
Yes, you're absolutely right in the sense that I think that it's probably true that the Ukrainian offensive has been postponed, but not because of the leaked documents. The reason that it's been postponed is because they're nowhere near ready. They don't have enough ammunition. They don't have enough trained men. Um, everything, nothing is ready for this offensive. And of course, the big question is, if it's postponed by a month or more, who will use that time more efficiently, the Ukrainians or the Russians? Yeah, Sanjeva says, what's the deal with Baerbach? I cannot remember a time when a German politician was this pro-Atlanticist hawkish. She's almost representing the USA. Yes, I agree almost? with that. In fact, she's almost, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, she, she has a good point, actually. I mean, you have to go back to the time of, you know, Konrad Adenauer in the 50s for such extreme Atlanticist positions, anti-Russian positions to have been taken by German leaders. Baerbock has gone even further than that. And Adenauer, whatever else he was, he was an you know, imposing uh, leader of Germany. And um, what he was doing then was arguably, you know, in German interests. I can't see that Baerbock is in any conceivable way the same. I mean, I think it's astonishing. And I get the sense that more and more people in Germany are beginning to become angry with him. Radio Constantinopolis says, was last week's Chabad Delhi bomb scare in Athens a message to a possible Eurasianist turn by the Greek government? Eurasianist turn. Don't, um, no, is the answer. There is no Eurasianist turn by the Greek government. I mean, anybody who knows anything about the political system in Greece would know that that is impossible. Yeah. Uh, Zoran says, Ursula's treatment in China. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Good for the Chinese. <laughs> yep. uh, Liam says, Alex Alexander, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary, revolutionary act. You are both truth tellers of the first order. Thank you for all you do. Liam in Dublin. Thank you very much for those very kind words. Thank you, Liam, for that. Uh, Beto, welcome to Dragon Community. Sanjeva says, Alexander, can you think of another time when the USA leadership was this authoritarian, George Bush 43 was after 9-11, but Biden even more imperialist leadership. No, I think, I think this is the most imperialistic, the most authoritarian and the most dangerous administration I can ever remember and have ever known of in the United States. I mean, there've been times when all kinds of pretty awful things were done. If you're talking about authoritarianism, I think the nearest approximation to this, but not as bad, was Woodrow Wilson's government in the um, um, period, uh, the, the later period of the of the First World War. Uh, and I mean, he did do some pretty, his government did do some pretty extraordinary things at that time. But that was during World War, mind. This We're not in a war. At least the United States supposedly is not in a war. And um, <laughs> though you wouldn't, know that from the way the Biden administration is behaving. And that was a long time ago, it was 100 years ago. So this is pretty extraordinary what is going on in the US now. Bimsa Smith says, I am always amazed at Alexander's depth of knowledge. Thank you for all that you do, both of you. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. Zariel says, she's not, she never will be. She's a puppet too. I imagine Zariel oh, is referencing I absolutely. But of course he is. And he's probably, and he's surely right. Yeah. Uh, Lada Moreau says, some Ukrainian sources claim that Turkey has sold their drone 
your own codes to Russia and Russia downed about a hundred of them. Do you think there's any truth to it? No, no, I don't actually. I don't think the Turks would do that. I don't think they'd sabotage their own weapon system in that kind of way. And I don't think that's the kind of game Erdogan plays. I mean, the fact of the matter is the Russians are very, very good at electronic warfare and air defense. And I think that's the entire explanation for it. Yeah. It's just Tabernacles. Ukrainians coming up with excuses. Yeah. Tabernak says, Chinese economy with Russian cover fire isn't enough. This only provides a window for the rest to escape. However, Pax Sinica may not be attractive to all. You know, I'm going to suggest that you do watch that program that we're going to publish eventually. It's a big program. With the It'll be up on Sunday. Because, Sunday, because he talks about a lot of these, uh, makes a lot of these sort of points and about how... Um, <laughs> Uh, just to give you a taste, I mean, he basically says the chaos in the system that has been created by the US is very tempting to China. It's almost too tempting to China. And there's a risk that the Chinese themselves might overplay their hands now because it, there's a vacuum that's being created, which the Chinese are filling because the US is all over the place. And, you know, that the Indians are apparently concerned about that. So he, he has a lot to say about this. My own view is that the Chinese understand that their power, that power has limits and they've been very careful to talk to the Russians, to talk to the Saudis, to talk to all of these people. I don't think they're going to rush ahead like a bull in the China shop, though I can see why from an Indian perspective, there might be a risk that they might do that. Yeah. Logan River says, love you guys. Happy Easter to you and your families and everyone in the chat. What was the name author of the book on classical debt you mentioned, Alexander? Right. It was, uh, the title was something like the class struggles in the ancient Greek world. And the author is, is it's a complicated name. It's Geoffrey de Saint-Croix, S-T. C-R-O-I-X. And um, so he's, he's quite an interesting author. Now, um, obviously, as the title implies, he comes from a left-wing background. Um, he is by no means a doctrinaire uh, Marxist or anything like that. In fact, one of his best pupils, who is um, uh, one of the finest academics on... Um, the ancient world today, uh, um, Robin Lane Fox is a, is you know very high Tory conservative. So you know th this is a very very good book, book about debt, and I think he comes to this very same topic as Michael Hudson does, but from a completely different perspective. He comes to it from the perspective of a classicist, whereas Michael Hudson comes to it from the perspective of a historian. Uh, of an Zara economist, I'm sorry. Zariel says, I coin the new term, sanctionholics. sanctionholics. Perfect. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks for that, Zariel. Yep. Be very careful, Zariel. You're going to be sanctioned yeah. for coining that term. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Garland Nixon. Hello, Garland. Oh, good to see you. Garland, here. good to see you. Oh, you're on a How roll, Garland, if I can say. Yes, oh, Garland. You Definitely really uh, check out Garland's yeah. channel. Great, great work. Great show on uh, on Macron the other day. Garland. Absolutely, yeah, fantastic. Uh, Von Metternich parallels between the USA and 
old Venetian finance. Oh, I wish <laughs> Venetian finance, whatever, whatever you think of Venice. It's a pretty sinister place in some respects. I mean, they had a secret police agencies and secret courts and all those kind of things. But they were extremely well organized and very clever. <laughs> I mean, you know, in a, in a rather uh, a sinister way. Uh, I mean, far more. Uh, in, I mean, they you let's put it like this: a Joe Biden, you would never have got a Joe Biden to the point position of Dojo Venice. It's inconceivable. <laughs> Clara, thank you for that super sticker. Thank you so much. And Fleet Lord Advar from Local says, good, good. Thank you for that. And from a Rumble. And let's mm. go to Locals. Working Title says, the EU has presented the US with a perfect opportunity reason to leave NATO. Is the US wise enough to take it? Well, that's a good question. Uh, that is, in fact, a, a, a really big and excellent question. We will see. There's going to be a huge amount of resistance to any move like that. But the idea of the US leaving NATO has actually been floated in the past. Trump floated it. I, I don't think they ever forgave him for it. But they have done it before. They have talked about it before. Mike Mansfield talked about it back in the 60s or 70s. And, of course... Um, Robert Taft talked about it in the 50s. So, you know, it's it's not inconceivable that it might happen. It might come together in the end. Working Title says, what are your thoughts on the New York Times and the Washington Post helping hunt down the leaker? We talked about that. Well, I think Alex, Alex has discussed this and expressed it perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it's um, shocking. It's shocking. Uh, GEG says... This might have been partially answered, but how do you think international perception might change with verification U.S. special forces are in Ukraine? After all, friend and foe alike already knew this. Only the public did not. Right. Um, I think that if it becomes widely known in the U.S. and indeed in Britain, I think it will strengthen doubts about the war which are in already growing quite fast amongst the public in all of those countries. I don't think it will be the decisive thing that changes things, however, because special forces are widely seen as, or at least they are in Britain as, you know, special. They're not quite seen as quite the same as, say, a British infantry regiment being sent to Ukraine. I think that would be, that, that would change things in a much more radical way. Where it will make a big difference is globally. Everybody knows it's happening. But if it's publicly admitted or confirmed that there are Western soldiers involved in the fighting in Ukraine, that will confirm the view in many countries around the world that the US is essentially fighting this war. And is out of control. Yeah, it helps the the Russians because yeah, the Russians have been saying that they're fighting. Essentially, they're mm -hmm. fighting uh, the collective Western NATO in a hybrid war, and this just confirms that. And yes. it, and it does take away, to a certain extent, one of the West's uh, big talking points, which is we're helping Ukraine, we're arming Ukraine, but we're not a party to this war. Yeah, not a party to this conflict. Well, that now comes uh, comes into doubt. Uh, dark, dark Matter Falls 101 says, in 100 years, what will history make of this era? And will we still be 
in this greed power trap. And what was Bud Beer thinking? What was Bud Beer thinking? What were they thinking? Were they Money thinking? is what tell they were me thinking. I have <laughs> they lost lots of it, apparently. I mean, I mean I, you know, sometimes I have to say, I mean, I, I mean, I take your point entirely because, you know, I've never done advertising in that kind of way, but I would have said almost obviously this isn't going to work. It seems extraordinary that things think something like that happened. Of course, none of the board, none of the executives knew about this, apparently, supposedly, or so we're told. But anyway, what will the world think in 100 years' time? They're going to look back on these times and they will be amazed. They will be astonished. It's going to be one of those times that history is going to, the history historians are going to be writing about, they're going to be investigating it, they're going to go through the archives, they'll be trying to understand why decisions were made in the way that they were. And they're going to struggle to understand people like Newland and Baerbock and uh, Ursula and people of that kind. And they will say to themselves, how was it possible that people like that gained so much power over what had once been great countries? How, how was it possible that... Mm -hmm a person like that became marketing manager of Bud Light. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what you see in, in, in Sullivan and Newland and Ursula yeah. and Baerbach is the same thing that you see in the yeah. marketing manager for Bud Light. Yes. Just all the wrong people in all the wrong positions of power. Yes. That's absolutely true. That's completely right. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Germanico, 92. Every escalator comes to an end eventually. Yeah. <laughs> what do you find eventually. when you get to the top there? Eventually, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Eliana McKay says, here in the US, they are talking about the fact that there was a military leak, but no one is talking about the content contents of the leak. How insane is that? It's indeed absolutely correct. They did exactly the same, if you remember, with Russiagate. We all, the whole thing switched from a discussion about the contents of the leaks to, you know, who was responsible. And, of course, in that case, they alleged it was the Russians, and it wasn't. Now, this time, this young man has been targeted. We'll see what, as I said, we'll see what the story is. But that is exactly, you're completely right. Whoever he was, whoever the leaker was, it's the content of these documents that is important. And yet we're not discussing it. Yeah. Beto says uh, congratulations. On our program, Brazil. of course. On, yeah. In our are, program, of course, we, do, we are discussing it. <laughs> we're discussing it. Yes. Thank you, Beto, for that super chat. Greetings yes, to indeed. all of Brazil. Taffy4, thank you for that super chat. Jay Dath says Ukraine request to join G20 meeting was rejected. Really? Yes, by India. Oh, that's good. So I, so good I understand. Yeah, no, I know, no, absolutely. Uh, as I said, I, 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 I've always thought that Indian diplomacy was good and, you know, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Lindo says, blessed Good Friday and Basha to you both. Thank you very much. Thank Lindy, you for that. Calgary, thank you for that super sticker. Commando Crossfire says, I feel like the U.S. resembling Napoleon when he attacked Russia while still entangled in Spain, but now going for China while entangled with Russia, a bridge too far. Absolutely. You're completely correct. 
Rubia says, wondering how Hungary will hold up for the regime change and what's Lula's, vi and what's Lula's visit to China mean? I think in case of Hungary, they're under an awful lot of pressure and it will just go on growing. And whether it will hold is a big question. For the moment, it has. And for the moment, I get the sense that if anything, it's consolidated support for Orban. But, you know, the pressure is enormous. And the, the kind of people that, are, you know, that the Hungarians are up against are, as I said, they, they, they won't stop. They will just keep pushing and pushing until they get what they want. And it's a small country and it's an isolated country. It's, you know, all by itself in Europe now. So we'll see what happens. Um, but for the moment, they're holding out. Now, Lula in China is a big story. And, you know, Brazil is a big economy. It's the biggest country in Latin America by far. It's disappoint He's disappointed the US. There's a, there's a really... Sir, sulky article about him in the Washington Post that you know he's not promoting democracy as he should, or that kind of thing. You know, he's but you know, the fact is, Lula is pursuing Brazil's interests. Brazil um, boomed economically when he was president, in part because of the trade with China, and he wants to restore that and he imports. Brazil imports most, most of its fertilizer, apparently, from Russia. In fact, I didn't know. So he wants good relations with Russia. And he wants to move out of the dollar. And he wants to do all of those things. And you know Lula's background. None of that should surprise one. That's not a you know, wholehearted endorsement of Lula. It's a lot about him you can take issue with and you know, legitimately criticize. But it didn't surprise me at all that he took this line. Yeah, Sanjeva says, by the way, I saw Come and See and recommendation by multiple, after recommendations by multiple YouTube channels. Oh my God, that needs to come with a lot of warning. It will haunt you for a long time, but you can understand Russia's attitude towards invaders. Absolutely. I should say, when I saw it first time in London, it was as a film show, and I had absolutely no idea of what it was I was seeing. I'd heard that it was a war film set in Belarus during the Second World War. I, I knew nothing else. And I came out of that cinema in a state of profound shock. They say it's the best war movie. Well, ever. it's the best. It's the best World the best. War Two. I, I would say it's the best war movie I've ever seen. Yeah, Ivasevich says German Greens were in power twice and were the most pro-war party in Europe. First time in Serbia in '99 under Fischer, and now versus Russia under Baerbock. Absolutely correct. That's entirely correct. Now, after the Serbia experience, the Greens almost collapsed in Germany. I mean, I think they fell out of the Bundestag. I think they got less than 5%. Zaria uh, will have the exact numbers. And then Fukushima came along, and they revived on the back of that. And they've grown stronger ever since. We'll see whether events repeat themselves and whether this Ukraine debacle eventually does for them what uh, happened before. Yeah. Trevelin, thank you for that super sticker. Raphael says, guys, does Poland know Russia said if they fell, they are in danger to them. Russia will move 300 miles inside Poland. Medvedev said that in a speech. 
Yes, I think I think Medvedev sometimes goes a bit too far, and I think he did on this occasion. Actually, I mean, I think it's absolutely proper and legitimate to tell the polls, you know, be very careful what you're doing. You don't want to drift into this situation. It could go very, very badly for you. But for a Russian politician of, the, of his importance to actually threaten Poland with invasion, I think, you know, even if it's a you know an invasion in response to what Poland itself is doing, I think that could perhaps, in fact, strengthen the position of the hardliners in Poland, not weaken it. Yeah, Radio Konstantinopoulos says, is, that, is at this point Israel entirely isolated in the Middle East? Yes, I think it is largely isolated in the Middle East. It's seen its alliance with Saudi Arabia, uh, uh, well, if not completely collapse, certainly lose a lot of its former strength. Egypt has never been a particularly reliable ally either. So I think Israel, it's seeing the network of alliances that Netanyahu so successfully created over so, so many years crumble. However, I think we have to understand that I don't think these moves in the Middle East actually threaten Israel. I don't think that it means that, you know, because... Israel's alliances aren't working as they did. That means that we're on the brink of an Arab attack on Israel or anything like that. I don't think anybody in the Middle East is planning that at the moment. From Ryan, even though things seem bleak at the time, let's remember the Pascal Troparian. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and to those in the tomb bestowing life. Blessed Pascal. Thank you very much. Thank you for that, Ryan. From Mark, what do you think about Seymour Hersh's column that Mark Milley is the only adult in the room? Well, you know, he says different things. Seymour Hersh is saying us, telling, telling us different things about Mark Milley. Now, uh, he published this very interesting article in Substack about the grotesque level of corruptions, corruption in the Ukrainian government, about the fact that... Um, Burns apparently came along. The CIA director told um, told um, Zelensky, "You know, you're going too far. You can't be this greedy." Um, he also said, "This is this is Hirsch again. That you know, the, the intelligence professionals have given up on Blinken and Sullivan, and that they're very disappointed with Milley because Milley appears to share this delusional optimism and was talking about a surrender document." for um, the Russians after they're defeated in Ukraine. So that's what one side of Milley. And then you get the other side of Milley where he comes out, says it's unlikely that the Ukrainians will be able to succeed in all their objectives. We're looking at a long stalemate, those kind of things. My own sense of Milley is that he's not an adult in the room. He is a deeply political general. He burned his bridges with... Donald Trump and the Republicans at the end of Trump's term. He was clearly backing the Democrats at that time. People can say what they like, but that's how it looks to me. So he's very, very uh, connected now with the administration. He's apparently due to retire in October. He doesn't want to wreck his retirement plans, the cushy job that he's going to get in the MIC. 
And at the same time, he doesn't want to be the person who is blamed for the debacle in Ukraine. So he's giving contradictory messages. On the one hand, he's saying, everything's going well, we're going to win, I'm a full member of the team. On the other hand, you know, from the other side of his mouth, he says, well, you know, this isn't going to quite work out. There's hundreds of thousands of Russians there. It might not be exactly, uh, you know, uh, a, a walk a walk in the park. So he's playing both ends. Now, I don't think a general should do that. A person in his position, I think, should be straightforwardly telling the truth, giving objective advice to the president and to Congress and ultimately to the American people. But that's not Millie. So I don't think he's a, the adult in the room. That's not my impression of him. Alcibiades, friend of Socrates. Hi, gentlemen. Can you see a Clisthenes emerging in any of the larger Western countries soon? Well, before Clisthenes... Father of democracy. democracy. Yeah, yeah, I know. But before, before Clisthenes, there was a Pisistratos. Now, Pisistratos, I should explain, was the tyrant or dictator of Athens in the 6th century BC. And he, when he died, his sons took over, but they weren't able to run the dictatorship as well as Pisistratus did. Pisistratus was, whatever you may think of him, an extremely clever, very, very effective uh, um, ruler of Athens. And um, the dictatorship collapsed, and following the collapse, Clisthenes, who was an Athenian politician came forward and he prepared this extraordinary constitution. But the point is, he came out of a system where there were people like Pisistratus. In other words, powerful, intelligent, capable, strong leaders. He wasn't the only one. So the problem we have today is that we have a political desert in the West at least in Europe, maybe less in the United States. But given how bad the situation is, how poor the lack of leadership is, I can't really see who the Clisthenes would be. Clisthenes was already an active politician, a well-known figure in Athens during the dictatorship of Pisistratus. Who's the equivalent today? <laughs> <laughs> Macron, I don't know. Macron, yeah, no, well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, we're screwed. <laughs> Sophia and Cora said, Jeremy Barker, uh, five pounds. Question: At what point will the Polish-Ukrainian merger become an escalation red flag for Russia? I think it is anyway. I think if it's ever announced or anything like that happens, uh, the, the the Russians will respond. I don't just be a red flag for the Russians. I, I think in Europe, only the British, the Baltic states, and perhaps the, um, some of the Scandinavian countries would back it. Everybody else would be horrified. Yeah. Uh, the Van der Miro, thank you very much for that super chat. Bafstajat says, Alexander, why is the British establishment media and most politicians so gung-ho for escalation with Russia? This is an excellent question, and I don't. You know, I, I was actually asked exactly that question yesterday on uh, on, a, on a Russian channel, by the way. Now, can I just say I don't know fully what the answer to this is, but I think at some level it is a combination of the a, a corrupted memory of Britain's old policy of balance of power, 
you know, the Russians are too powerful, so we have to knock them down in some ways. And visceral Russophobia, which goes back to the early 19th century and has never gone away and always seems to be just there under the surface in Britain, bursts out into the open every so often. And it's difficult to understand. The other thing, and I, I, again, I said this again on this channel, which is that I think that one of the reasons why the British always want to seem so aggressive towards the Russians is they think, they believe it impresses the United States. It makes them look to the United States. Uh, they're the tough guys in Europe that you can rely upon. Don't you know, waste your time with all those softies in Germany and France. We, the British, can be relied upon to stand up to the Russians, to the Russian bear. And I think the British delude themselves about this, but I think they think that somehow this impresses people in Washington. It doesn't. When Biden came to Northern Ireland, he didn't even seem to recognize Sunak. <laughs> so what, what has it achieved, actually? Yeah. Uh, lover of the Russian team says, you guys are awesome. Mm. Matt Ward said, would like to hear your opinion on the rise of the Confederacja party that is currently happening in Poland. They are anti-establishment party. Hello from North Carolina. I love you guys. I wonder, is this the party that Anya has been talking about? I mean, I know there is a new party that's emerging in Poland. It might not be this one. Uh, it, it might be, or it might be this one. I mean, I'm not an expert on Polish domestic politics at all, but Anya has told us that, you know, there is a lot of disagreement. In fact, I'm, I know this for a fact, because I know, I know people from Poland, that there is a lot of disagreement with the political line in Poland, and that hopefully there will start to be um, a break in this, um, in, in these events, uh, and, you know, a challenge to the political order in Poland. But about this particular party, I, I won't pretend that I um, am familiar with its name. Or, 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 or know anything about it, more much about it. Raul Pinto says, thoughts on France's Constitutional Council's referendum on pension reform? I haven't heard about the decision. Are you saying that the council has decided that there should be a referendum? Because if you have, that is enormous news and it would put Macron's position in serious jeopardy. I know that we've been waiting for this decision, but when I last checked, I hadn't seen any reports about it. Costa 910 says, best regards to both of you. P.S. Alex Serbine. Thank you very much for that, Costa. Thank you. Uh, Charbach says, hopefully Elon Musk's giant Starship rocket test is an impressive success next week and used to calm tensions. U.S., Russia, China, US, Russia, China EU, humans to moon, Mar Mars collab. Yeah, I, I have to say, I hope so. I mean, I, you know, I've somewhat changed my feelings about Musk, actually. And by the way, I hope you all saw that brilliant interview he gave with the BBC journalist. When the BBC <laughs> journalist said, why are you allowing all this all this uh, hate speech on Twitter? And Musk said, well, can you give me an example? So I didn't even watch, read Twitter anymore. Even uh, uh, directly after he said that, that, the journalist said that, you know, he'd uh, he was concerned about all of these things that he'd read on Twitter. Uh, it, it, was, it was one of the most brilliant put-downs <laughs> this term of, of the BBC I've ever seen, actually. So I'm actually coming round to having rather more favourable views mm. on Musk. 
And can I just say, you know, I do wish him well in his space endeavors. I never thought they'd succeed, but there we go. Uh, it turns out beginning to look like I was wrong. Let's go to locals. GEG says, do you believe the capture and prosecution of the leaker will be used by the US West as weight for further censorship and classification? such as the U.S. Restrict Act. Matt Taibbi wrote yesterday that he sees a wave of censorship coming. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm afraid ne never I let a, yes. Yeah. What's never. the phrase? Never let a crisis go, go to, to waste. waste. Yeah, no. absolutely. Uh, Trade Wife UK says, with your Orthodox Christian hats on, do you feel engaged in a biblical struggle? I haven't thought of it in, that, in those terms. I would rather not do so, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, 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 all, I would, all I would say is, I mean, it, it, I, I do think that our backgrounds do pr provide us with a certain perspective on events, but I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't use, I wouldn't use that language to describe our own feelings about this, at least my feelings about this. Ignaki says, thank you for this briefing. Doesn't it appear a bit too easy to access these documents? This Massachusetts man should be commended for showing the breach. Hmm. Well, I, I, I think he's done a public service, actually, I'm going to say so. I mean, I, I don't see that any one of these documents compromises the security of the United States. I don't even see that it compromises the Ukrainian offensive, actually. I mean, it doesn't give away any plans, for example. It does explain to us a great deal about the decision-making processes, but no source that I've seen has been, um, you know, compromised. No asset has been exposed. But it has provided information, which I think has been useful in helping us to understand what happened. And after all, the media must think the same because they've covered these documents. Yeah. Law of Attraction says the Bloomberg forecast for Russia's GDP growth, GDP growth was changed for much positive figures for 23-24, whilst the France-Germany GDP, etc., will be declining. For how long may the collective West still finance the Ukraine project? P.S. Have a great good, Easter. It's, good, it's a very, very good question, actually. Yes, I agree. I, I mean, you know, nobody has ever said that I was a pessimist. Nobody would ever describe me as a pessimist about the Russian economy. But over the last year, it has it surprised even me on the upside. It surprised Putin on the upside. He himself said, in a, you know, during a visit to a factory, that he hadn't expected things to turn out as well as they have. So there you go. And I do think they will achieve positive growth this year. All the indications at the moment suggest that they will. And our problems are only starting and they're going to get worse. And in some ways, it'd be worse for us if we avoid a big recession, so that things just go on getting worse slowly, as they've been doing for many, many years now. So there's never really enough of an incentive to change and turn things around. And that would be a bad thing. If we had a big crisis, a big economic crisis, well, we might even get people coming out and saying, well, things have to be changed and we have to think things differently this time. I'm not saying that would happen, but, you know, one can hope. Lada Moreau says, with all that calling to arm in Poland, do you think Poland will move into Western Ukraine? I think they're sorely tempted to. I think they changed their feelings about this. 
I think their mood about this goes backwards and forwards, and I think that there's a big argument about it in Poland as well. I get the sense the military in Poland are dead against it. I think some of the political leaders are entirely for it. I think there is divisions about it in the population. I think most Poles would not want to see it. AD says Putin is not calling for Easter ceasefire this year. Did he learn his lesson from the last one? Did he learn from the last yes. one? Yes, yes. Was the answer yeah. the Christmas yeah. ceasefire? Yes. Rifi says, "How do how do the how do the U.S. overcome censorship? South American media will save us from the deep state censorship." Free Assange. Gosh, okay, there's a thought. Yeah, S I'm not S really American familiar. Media. I guess that's yes, South American. Yes. I'm not familiar with South American media, to be honest. Mm. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that super chat, Mena. Elza says, Russian frozen assets. First, the West wanted to steal them. Second, they can't find them. Now they will have to give them back. Hard to follow. Well, I think this business is just silly. Uh, first of all, I think if they had found them, they would never give them back. <laughs> they would always find some kind of legal device to hold on to them. The fact that they are saying now that they will give them back is because they can't find them. Can't that find that's them. that's my own view. That's my own view. They they destroyed their own economies. Mm -hmm. They're destroying the US dollar reserve currency for yeah. assets that they can't even find. No, I know. That tells you everything. These pe yeah. these people are are beyond incompetent. Beyond incompetent. At least Find the assets before you start imposing the sanctions. Yes. Yes. Camp, Camp Kaffer says, according to a newspaper report from earlier today, the head of the Ukrainian military intelligence said that the leaks would not impact the counteroffensive, might just be damage control, but who knows? Yeah, I don't think it will impact the counteroffensive. If the counteroffensive has been postponed, it's not because of these leaks. It's because of things like ammunition shortages, training problems, organizational issues of that kind, even weather conditions. Yeah. From working title, did the New York Times, Washington Post publish any of the leaked documents? And if so, how is that different from Assange? No, it's not different. I mean, but, you know, they, they I don't think they published them, but they've certainly commented about them and they've discussed many, many of their contents. Of course, they give their own spin on what these documents say. But certainly they've discussed their contents. And of course, they will say that's different from what Assange did, because Assange just provided you with an opportunity to see the documents themselves. But I will say again, I think what Assange did was an enormous um, contribution to journalism. I think he gave us a tremendous insight into the way in which decisions are made. I think it was fully legitimate journalism. And I think that he broke no law doing it. Yeah, Lana Mitchie says, thank you so much for everything you do. Do you think the USA policy could change depending on the next president? Well, we'll see. It depends entirely, I think, on who that president is. And if it's Donald Trump, whether he's any more successful this time around in defeating his opponents than he was last time, because last time they basically boxed him in. Yeah. Uh, Amir says, good day, gentlemen. How is Finland in NATO different to Ukraine in NATO? Was Russia banking on Turkey stopping their ratification? 
No, they weren't banking on Turkey stopping their ratification because they assumed, as I did, that Turkey would eventually agree. I've always thought that, you know, there was a haggle going on and Erdogan would get a price for it. And he's now got Sweden embarrassed that he looks good in the Swedish, um, um, uh, in the Turkish elections, which are coming. So um, I don't think the Russians were banking on Erdogan. Nobody who has any sense would bank on Erdogan over any any issue like that. But it is very different from Ukraine in NATO. I mean, Ukraine, first of all, is much closer to Moscow than Finland is. I mean, Finland is closer to St. Petersburg, but it is not close to Moscow. Um, Ukraine is part of the Slavic Eastern heartland. It was a country which, when it became independent, had 51 million people, obviously it's far less than that. The aggregate economic resources in um, uh, Ukraine are much greater than Finland's. And of course, and centrally important for the Russians, there are many, many, many Russian speakers in, in Ukraine. There are very few in Finland. These are historic Russian territories. And of course, it controls the key ports on the Black Sea. Kafan says USA out of Europe. Mm -hmm. For patience, thank you very much for that super chat. For patience, thank you so much. Summer of 1970, thank you for that super sticker. Raphael says, guys, do you think Russia will have to bring a new leader soon after because situation is asking for a hardliner like they did by replacing Khrushchev with Brezhnev? I think Putin is too pro-West. Well, that's interesting you think that because, of course, nobody in the West thinks that. Um, um, if Putin were to fall under a bus tomorrow, uh, his successor would be probably at least as hardline as he was. But I don't think Putin is going because I think that whatever um, you know, criticisms are made of Putin, and Putin gets criticised all the time in Russia, many people criticise him for being too soft on the West, not pro-West. You can't call him pro-West after the things he's been saying, especially since that speech he made in Munich in 2007. But they said that he's too soft. But I think they recognise that, you know, he's the international leader. He's the person who's friends with Xi Jinping, friends with Modi. He's the brilliant manager who keeps the government together. He's the per person that the people in Russia know and look to as their leader. I think there is no sense in Russia at the moment that they want to change the captain of the ship that's going through the storm. Island Popsicle says, thank you for all you do. All empires come to an end, but the speed at which the West is collapsing is astonishing. I, think, I didn't think people could destroy a great power so quickly, even if they tried. Absolutely. But then, of course, um, if you put a person like the current president in charge and his team, maybe that's not so surprising after all. Simon says use of the yuan has increased to 5.9 percent in two years. What will happen to the euro and dollar if it doubles again? Which it, which it will. <laughs> uh, um, uh, you know, I, I, well, we, it's, that's essentially a follow-up to the previous question. Events are accelerating at an astonishing pace. And now Brazil is saying it wants to trade, trade with China. 
not no longer in dollars, but presumably in these other currencies. Yep. K1F8 says, Paths of Glory is another great war movie which depicts the hypocrisy and duplicity of the ruling class at the expense of the soldiery. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yes. Pinyamamba, thank you for that super sticker. Edgar Satella says, hi, guys. Thank you for that, Edgar. Sparky says, General Mark Milley may be like Field Marshal Keitel. At a distance, he appears like a military man, but in reality, he's a yes man. Yes. Not a bad comparison, I think. Joe Rin, thank you for that super sticker. Kirill, thank you for that super sticker. Danielle, there are elections this year in a number of European countries. Do you think that there will be any significant changes in the people in power? But will Macron be forced out soon? I think that at the moment, any, any leader who loses is going to be replaced by another leader who will follow exactly the same policies. I mean, we've seen that happen continuously. We've just seen it in Finland. <laughs> I mean, Marin um, led the Social Democrats to defeat. So the new government is going to continue doing exactly what she did, despite winning the elections. And that, that's, that's unfortunately the disaster that we are in in Europe today. Uh, will Macron be forced out? It's not impossible. I've been reading articles now, which is saying that in France, it's perceived that he either hides when he is in France or escapes abroad to places like China to try and make a big splash there but that he's no longer um, able to communicate or to have any kind of dealings with his own people. If it is true, by the way, that the State Council has ordered a referendum, which I haven't seen that decision, but if it is true, then, I mean, I think his days are numbered. But I, 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 I have to say, I would find it a surprising decision by the State Council to make. From Odyssey, Breaking Bread asks the Duran, what are you gentlemen going to do when the internet falls? Are you ready to lead a real wonderful life homesteading? Love from oh, the former will, USA. We will find all kinds of good things to do. Don't worry. From Locals, USA Now says, speaking of the wrong people in the wrong places, and uh, there, there's a meme attached to this uh, to this question, Alexander, to this comment on locals. So it's in the locals okay. chat. Thank you, USA okay. Now, for, for that. Uh, S.J. Wariner says, military summary says that during Zelensky's trip to Poland, an agreement to form an alliance between the two countries was signed and will be implemented at year's end. Could this happen? Yes. I mean, I think there are some people in Poland who might do it. Yes, is the answer. Yeah. Uh, I, I, one cannot exclude these possibilities at all. I haven't seen any confirmation of this. And, you know, I don't know where Dima is getting his information about this from. But, you know, it's something I'm perfectly well, willing to believe. I, I believe much of this is from the from way back when they did sign the agreements for yeah. yes. for uh, the, the freedom of movement and to work and yes. to uh, yes. to get residency. But that, that was six, nine way months back. ago. But yeah. If we're talking about an outright military alliance, then that is something new. Yeah. I would say also that an outright military alliance between Poland and Ukraine is not fully consistent with Poland's own NATO membership. It would mean Poland, unusually for a NATO country, of course the United States does this, but it's a global superpower. Poland, which is not a global superpower, reaching out and forging military alliances 
of that nature without, uh, uh, you know, it, it seems to go beyond the NATO structure. And I think a lot of people in NATO, you know, amongst the other countries, in Germany especially, would not be happy about it. Yeah, that would be crazy if they did that. Yeah. Uh, Simon says, can the U.S. deep state afford to allow a free and fair election in 2024? Uh, that is a huge question. We'll see. Kafan says, Russia should sell shells Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. R. Phillips, welcome to the Duran community. Island Popsicle says, don't be worried about Poland. Getting into a fight with a larger power and being defeated is simply part of its life cycle. Nature is healing. Yeah, I mean, you know, one cares about Poland too. And, I, and you know, war is not something one should will on them. But um, I, th I think there are plenty of people in Poland who would be horrified at these things. And I think you could, you could start to see a big swing in Polish opinion if we ever got there. Michael Sherry says the lack of competent leaders in the West is a product of inherited wealth and power, not one of our so-called leaders is there by merit. Call them all. Yeah, I agree. Peter Sugleris says, just tuned in team. Do you think Yannis Varoufakis has any role to play? What is the present view of him within Greece, if anything? Well, Alex is closer to Yanis than I am now. By the way, I knew him at school. I did. I, I don't know. I've never met him. We were, I don't know him. But. Yeah, we were we were briefly, but this is you know we were both um, we were about I think about seven, six. We were uh, when I was briefly at school, but you know he was in the same class as me, long, long, long ago, back in the sixties. I've never had any contact with him since then. But I, my own sense about Yanis is that he's an absolutely marginal figure. In Greek politics, he's got a lot more traction, if I can put it like that, by turning up to the lecture circuits, giving people um, information and advice and opinions and things of that kind that he does in Greek politics. I don't think he has any role to play in Greece. That's my yeah. sense anyway. No, I agree. I think in the media space, he's a huge yeah. figure. But in the yeah. political space, it's it's hard to to gain traction in, in Greek politics, to, yes. to make your way into the, into the parliament and to gain traction. So it's going to be a hard road ahead for, for him if he has uh, political ambitions, at least with a new party. If he decides to yes. go back into an Syriza or one of these older parties, if they would have him back, that's a, different, that's a different question. Yeah. Yeah. But as a media figure, he's, he's very influential. Yes. Uh, Tabernak says maybe defeating the miniature Eurasian powers, Japan, Germany, is giving some people false confidence. Russia and China are the real Eurasian powers. Absolutely. You're completely right about that. Pinyamamba, thank you for that super sticker. Simon says the ECB is insolvent with trillions of euros of losses on Eurozone bonds. Is this the end of the EU project? <laughs> we said this so many, we wondered about this so many times. I mean, they are, I mean, economically, this thing doesn't make sense and it cannot be sustained in the long term. But the one thing these people are skilled at is keeping, kicking the can down the road. And that's what they've been doing. And I think for the moment, they are going to be able to do that. I wouldn't look too much about the bond issues at the moment look at two two other things look at gas prices which may start rising again look also at interest rates if interest rates 
in the US continue to remain strong, that might start to have an impact too, especially if gas prices start rising. Alvan, thank you for that super chat. Lucille says, you finally got it out of me. Wish I could send more. All my best love. Thank you very much, Lucille, you. for that. George says, Christos Anesti. Thank you very much, George. Elza says, just a joke. Musk bought Twitter. Putin bought Musk with Twitter. Who is the richest man now? I also trust Musk a bit more now. <laughs> well said, Elza. VK, thank you for that super sticker. Frost says, there are increased talks of the USA invading Mexico. How can that change yeah. the geopolitical game? AMLO is very defiant to USA, refusing to join sanctions against Russia and being too nice to China. I think another Mexican war is absolutely not what the United States needs at this particular time. Why not do something rather more... Uh, <laughs> within the U.S.'s competence, obvious competence, and which will cost an awful lot less, and which will have no great geopolitical ramifications, which is to complete the war and gain control of the border. That seems to me the right way to approach the problems in Mexico. And you know, obviously law enforcement has a role and all those other things. But a war in Mexico? I mean, I mean this is getting... More and more far-fetched by the day. Sparky says, when I was a soldier and later an engineer in Europe in the 80s and 90s, Europeans were noticeably anxious to work with an American. I guess they thought we were cool. They're running things there now. <laughs> yeah. Well said, Sparky. Harry C. Smith says, I remember the U.S. officially entered recession at the end of February 2020 before the virus arrived in North America. Why does no one ever mention this? Well, indeed, quite so. Yeah, true. Summer of 1970 says Western leadership is fubard. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Zariel says trust is earned, not purchased. Correct. Absolutely. Very, very well says. Robin R., thank you for that. Super chat. Far, thank you for that. Super chat. Sam, thank you for that. Super sticker. Alexander, thank you for that super sticker. Valley S is in the house. Thank you for that super sticker. For that super chat. Uh, tired, looking for a name. Great job. Please don't stop. Thank you for that. Jack Blair says the collapse designed to hide how the Vatican, to hide now Vatican and China. Mm. The collapse designed to hide now Vatican and China. Okay. Quite sure I understand. But anyway, thanks for your super chat. Thank you for that. Jack Blair, to hide true nature of economic collapse for now. Ah, okay, it's two. It's a two-part question. The collapse designed to the collapse is designed to hide now Vatican and China to hide the true nature of the eco economic collapse for now. No. No. I'm not sure I completely understand. I mean, as I understand, China and the Vatican don't actually even get on. They don't even have relations with each other. So I, I'm, I'm not quite sure how. I, I'm not quite sure the point you're making, but. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Jack Blair says, follow, here is it, follow the money moving around. It's moving. Perhaps yeah, money in the Vatican being, yeah. money moving around the Vatican, perhaps. Yeah. Let, let me know in, in the chat, uh, Jack, and I'll, uh, I'll pass it on. Uh, Joe Tacoma says, always appreciate your analysis and presentations. Slava Duran. Thank mm -hmm. you very much for that, Joe. 
La 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 69 says, hello from Cyprus. Looks like the U.S. subprime bond market is crashing in junk tier bonds with banking crisis recently and Fed mentioning recession. Looks like we're going to have another GFC event. Well, quite possibly. Um, um, and if so, it'll be a dramatic, it will be a dramatic event. And we'll see how the authorities, such as they are, deal with it. I mean, you know, with Janet Yellen in charge and Christine Lagarde of the European Central Bank, you know, we've got nothing to fear. Radio yeah. <laughs> Constantinopolis um, says, is Casidiaris the solution for Greece? Alex, this is your... Well, no. You, 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 no, yeah, he's not. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. Uh, Salvador says, can Russia afford to negotiate a peace that does not include Russian control of Odessa and Transnistria, perhaps a land bridge to both areas? I think this is uh, something we've discussed many, many times. I'm going to say again, I don't see this conflict ending without some sort of Russian control over, over Odessa, at least from a Russian point of view. I'm sure that is the ultimate aspiration of most Russians and probably a majority of Russian decision makers. Um, Where am I here? Let's see. Jay Tron says, in the catastrophic event that atomic weapons are used, it would seem to me that Russia has a tremendous advantage with the supersonics and extensive bunker networks that still function your thoughts yes i yes i i I think they probably would but it is a terrible thought and let us absolutely hope we never get there because if nuclear weapons start being used well i mean the the implications are catastrophic for all humanity radio constantinopolis says i don't always drink beer but when i do you can tell my gender happy (laughs) easter fellow gringos Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you very much for that radio constantinopolis uh K K one F eight Alexander, who was the superior Violetta, Callas or Tebaldi? Callas. <laughs> Life of Brian says, if I wanted to groom the public to accepting that American soldiers were in the conflict, a fake leak is the way I'd do it. Interesting. Yeah, well, it's an it's yeah. Mark Kurt, thank you for that super sticker. Ricardo Afonso, thank you for that super sticker. Sam Whiskey says the International Space Station needs Russia. It does. It can't function without Russia. Mm-hmm. Well said. Breaking bread from Odyssey says Russia and China are family. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thank you for that. Uh, SJ Warner says when Wagner is finished in Ukraine, maybe they can go to Mexico to fight the drug cartels. Well, it's a thought. Uh, Jason Bakan says, you can tell that the U.S. politicians are insane because they won't build a wall or even patrol the border, but they will start a full-blown shooting war with Mexico. That's exactly the point I was making before, and I think you put it very well. Yeah. Law of Attraction says, what about the Russian Orthodox Church breaking the relationship with Cyprus Orthodox because because of Cyprus Church started mentioning the fake Ukrainian Orthodox patriarch in official prayers, where is this going? It's going badly. I mean, it's, it's, it, I mean, we now have an effective rupture within orthodoxy, and it's really bad. And you know, Jeffrey Pyatt and um, got what he wanted. Also, it seems to me, plan. he split the orthodox community. Yeah, that was the plan. Melissa, thank you for that super sticker from locals. Uh, BFT eyes wide says simply thank you and happy Easter, gents. 
Okay, thank you for that. And where are we here? Rob Janu says, what is the best lesson the West can learn from Russians? What, uh, um, don't go to war. <laughs> I mean, it's a simple thing. I mean, the Russians know more, know more about war than almost anybody does. And uh, they try and avoid it. And they go to war very, very slowly. But when they do, they fight it very, very hard. And I think we should try and learn that, actually. There are lots of other things you could learn from Russians. I mean, you could learn all about I mean, their culture is extraordinary. Their um, philosophical thinking is remarkable. Their diplomacy is brilliant. But as I said, if you want to, if you want me to um, say what I think we should, can take best from them, it's an understanding of the horrors of war. Sticky Mark says, free Assange. I'd rather have questions. I can't answer the questions. I can't question. Yeah, <laughs> for that, sure. Sticky Marks. Uh, Sanjeeva says, can we all agree that once the Duran hits 400,000 YouTube subscribers, we are going to celebrate with a four-hour live stream? Well, I did one once. <laughs> yeah. We, we've done a five-hour uh, live We've stream, done a five-hour live stream. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, Beto says, China chooses song Novo Tempo, Ivan Lintz. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you for that, Peto. Well said. Um, P.F. Koop says, what do you make of Cy Hirsch's latest article that Putin is acting irrationally lately? Thanks. No, he didn't say that himself. He attributes that to, an inter to a source. And I don't think he's acting irrationally at all. I don't know what uh, Hirsch himself thinks. But anyway, I just think I'd say that. I mean, I don't see anything irrational about P Putin's behavior. Mehmet says, Alexander has mentioned a couple of times before that he thinks Erdogan will come through in the upcoming elections. Why does he say, why does he think this way? I think for two reasons. Firstly, I think, well, three reasons. Firstly, whatever one may think of Erdogan, and I have very, very mixed feelings about Erdogan, he is clearly the most experienced and, you know, politician in Turkey, the biggest beast and you know beast in the field if you like he's he's one person everybody in turkey knows now that may be an advantage it may be a disadvantage i think ultimately it is more an advantage than not secondly he is also the international statesman and that must play a role too he's somebody who certainly managed to put turkey on the map politically but lastly he has this enormous advantage that he is the incumbent. And I think that he's probably going to use that for all it's worth. And being Erdogan, he's quite capable of doing it unfairly. <laughs> now, having said that, I want to stress, I'm not absolutely saying definitely that Erdogan is going to win these elections in May. This is going to be the most difficult fight he's had since he emerged as, Tur uh, as, uh, uh, as Turkey's leader. But I think on balance, looking from my perspective in London, from a distance, I think he'll just make it through. Yeah, uh, 437, thanks, 1138, says, after the years of near zero rates of big banks and corporations, was that inflation absorbed by the world's supply and maybe now showing up seems like a way of stealing from the rest of the world? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And this is what Putin's been saying as well. He's talked about this at length. He's talked about the way in which uh, um, you know, the uh, zero interest rates and all of that 
essentially enabled the Western powers, was a way that the Western powers used to plunder the rest of the world, keep their own inflation rates down. And that world is coming to an end. Look, read Putin's latest, you know, he's written, made a whole series of speeches since about the summer of last year in which he's talked about this at length. Summer of 1970 says, sincerely hope all the good people in the Durant community are preparing for the collapse of the West, however they can. Crazy days ahead. Yeah. Kyung Anderson, thank you for that super sticker. Jungle Jin says, is Fauci related to Mengele? <laughs> I don't think so. And from uh, Rumble, Ken Media Reader says, if the pipeline sabotaged, we expect not just sanctions, but economic sabotage events. Yeah, we've, well, we've seen it with we've seen it with the uh, Nord Stream thing. And notice, by the way, nobody talks about it anymore, but the six guys on a boat story has collapsed. Nobody takes it seriously anymore. Even the Swedes and the Germans have said it's ridiculous. Yeah, Ken Media Reader says, can you provide some color commentary on China's summit with Central Asia countries, but not including Russia? No, I think this is entirely, uh, I, I think, again, people are getting over uh, excited about these events. The Russians have summit meetings with Central Asian countries without China attending. And China can have summit meetings with Central Asian countries without Russia attending. And India is also increasing its presence in Central Asia as well. I don't think any of these things are concerning to, to Moscow because both the Chinese, in this case, and the Indians know how to approach this in a way that isn't seen as threatening in Moscow. They know that then they shouldn't interfere with security arrangements, economic contacts, trade, all that kind of thing. That's fine, given that Russia is involved in this trade as well. All right, Alexander, those are all the questions. I'm just trying to see if I've missed anything. Your final thoughts, Alexander, as I look through well, a great, the chats great, to great, see if I, if I got everything. Yeah. Great live stream. I mean, the one thing one does take away from these live chats and these live streams is how concerned people are about the situation, which they're right to be, because we are at a pivotal moment. This is one of those moments in history where everything is changing. It's uh, going to be a much bigger, more radical change than 1989 was. 1989 is going to look small by comparison. That says a lot. All right, we will end this stream right there. Let's see. Hadramau says, late to the party, sorry. How likely is it that Turkey will ditch the West and become closely affiliated with the BRICS or at least won't be part of the neoliberal bloc? Another one I would appreciate your point of view is Thailand. How likely is it that it will be destabilized by the West? Mm. I think um, Brian I mean, is the go-to source for Thailand. Uh, uh, Thailand, yes. I mean, yeah. because I, I mean, after all, he lives there for one thing. I, I'm not yeah. very familiar with the internal politics of Thailand. And can I just also say, I wonder why the United States is so interested in Thailand. About Turkey, I think it could go either way. I don't think this was something that um, the that Erdogan intended when he first became leader of Turkey. 
But I think as the Eurasian option becomes more attractive, and given how badly led the West is, and how insulting to Turkey the EU has often been, I can see that even without Erdogan, the attractiveness of eventually going over to the Eurasian side might grow. Yeah. And a couple of more questions before we sign off. Jungle Jin says, Stalin's annexation of Galatia may have been a costly mistake, but what was the alternative? Well, that is an excellent question. We're talking about the period of the uh, Second World War, 1939. Um, it would have meant allowing effectively Galicia to be occupied by the Germans in 1939, 1940. And that might not have turned out so well. And I think that's a thing always to remember. Good point. Yeah, good point. Good point, Jungle Jin. Alberto Chan says, nobody has done more than Biden to unite the world. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Pedro Macedo says, please listen to the song Novo Tempo later to understand why China chose this song for Chinese children to dance at Lula's reception. Okay. New time. okay. That's a very okay. interesting point. We will definitely okay. listen to that song. Novo yes. Tempo. Tem Thank Novo you very Tempo. much, Beto, for that. And okay. a couple of more. Uh, Jason Savorn says, I've had the misfortune of being involved with an ex that had borderline personality disorder, narcissism, and the leaders today act in the same way. Yes, yes. I've met, I've had to deal with many, many, many people who have those things, uh, those problems, personality disorders and narcissism. And I agree completely. Yeah, mind tab, think about super sticker. Harry says, Russia will want Nikolaev, Odessa, Kharkov, Transnistria, and to hold referendum and apply to rejoin the Russian Federation. So it's all done legally, won't they? I think that is quite likely. I mean, you know, it's we have to get there to that point. We're far from that point yet, but eventually they might do it, yes. David Hart says, breaking news, CIA uncovers Chinese plot to simply sit back and watch the U.S. Empire collapse. <laughs> well done, David. <laughs> well done. And Sparky says, was skeptical of Lula, but am pleased with him so far. Yes. Agreed, Sparky. Okay, that is everything. Thank you very much to everyone that watched us on Rumble. Hit that like button on Rumble, please. And hit that like on Odyssey. Thank you for everyone that watched us on Odyssey. And thank you very much to everyone that watched us on Rockfin. And thank you to everyone on YouTube. And of course, our fantastic locals community, the Duran.locals.com. Thank you to everyone that watched this stream via the locals chat. Thank you to our moderators, Valies, Zarael, William Justice, Spartan Warrior, Queen, GEC812. And I think that is everyone in in the chat moderating, I believe so. I hope I didn't miss anybody. Thank you very much to our moderators. Thank you to everyone that tuned in for this live stream. Thank you. Have a very, very nice day and have a great weekend. Absolutely.